Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Andy Arnott with Amy Wees. And this is Seller Roundtable number 109. And we are super excited to have Kevin Sanderson on. Kevin, thanks so much for being with us. Super excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Andy and Amy. Yeah, so we like to get started. Uh, you know, I, we call it street cred, right? So we got to know how you, how you were, you know, how you became a blood or a crip. You have to you right. know, give us the backstory. Uh, no, we like to hear, you know, kind of where you're born, where you're raised, um, you know, any, uh, you know, schooling, uh, kind of hard knocks, kind of the journey to where you are today. We love to hear about that. Sure, sure, sure. So I, uh, I decided to join the Bloods because I was, uh, you know, in the hood and it came up to me as like, what's such, I know just for full disclosure, if anyone's listening, I was never a member of uh, uh, Bloods and or Crips. Um, so no, no offense, Bloods or Crips are listening. Um, but I did get into the whole uh, gang of e-commerce, um, somewhat by accident. So I always had this desire to uh, do something entrepreneurial. Uh, once upon a time, uh, I was working at Walt Disney World as a restaurant banquet manager. And uh, I had bought, I think this was maybe around 2004-ish, 2004, 2005. I don't even really know because my eBay account doesn't go back that far, but I bought two Nike Forwoods golf clubs to resell and what i thought was going to happen was i went to nike.com and they were selling for like 400 but on ebay they were selling for 40 so in my head well if it's selling on nike.com for 400 i can 10x my money and i'm gonna i'm just gonna you know do this over and over again so i'm gonna do like a test buy of two it's gonna be great and then very quickly i started looking back on ebay and realizing all the other nike forwoods golf clubs were selling for 40 dollars. so my dream of taking the manufacturer's suggested retail price and using that as a price to sell on eBay uh, wasn't going to work. So I did what a lot of people do. I just did nothing. And I uh, actually still have one of those golf clubs um, in the bag still, like it's still packaged. And then the other one um, is in a golf bag, which gets almost no use whatsoever. <laughs> um, but the point of that story is I didn't take action because I, I just let fear get in the way. But imagine if I had actually done something with it and said, okay, even if I lose money in the first couple of transactions, I could still make money long-term. So fast forward to about 2015, I was working at a buddy of mine's insurance agency. They were going through rocket ship growth. I was very happy for them and you know what they were experiencing uh, with the growth of their agency. But I was like, I'm working really hard for someone else's dreams. And because I know these people and I'm friends with them, I was seeing it firsthand. And so it wasn't just one of those, you know, cliches of like, you know, when you work for someone else, you're working for their dreams. I literally was watching it happen in real life. And so I was like, if I'm going to work this hard, I want to work on my own dreams. And so I just happened to be scrolling through. Um, one day I had kind of a rough day at work. Uh, I don't even remember what happened. I just remember it just left and it was a rough day. And I looked at the uh, uh, podcast app on my phone and found the amazing seller podcast with Scott Volker at the time who that's, he was really talking a lot about Amazon and it kind of got me into the thought process of that. So dabbled a little bit in retail arbitrage, got my very first sale that summer. And then I was a high school football official at the time. So I took a season's worth of earnings that fall uh, to put into my first product, which was uh, one I launched in early 2016 and then just kept reinvesting back into the business and then uh, kind of shortening the story. But I, 
three years later, uh, left my job. And now I'm here both as a full-time seller. And then along the way, I had learned one of the easiest ways to grow my business was to sell in international marketplaces like Europe and Canada. And, uh, and now I also help people go into international marketplaces like Europe and Canada. So now I'm here talking to uh, you fine folks and hope to help people uh, who are looking to do that as well. Awesome. I love the fact that you're still, uh, you know, do, doing the selling thing because there's a lot of people in this industry that are, you know, coaching and, and, and doing courses and things like that. And they're like, yeah, I sold at one point, you know, for three or four years ago, it's like, well, the game's changed, right? I oh mean, yeah. It's getting harder every single day to, to sell on Amazon. Uh, you know, there's new hurdles. I mean, I I've been getting a lot of people reaching out to me lately, just being like, Hey, this got banned. This got, you know, the, it's just doing business on Amazon is just getting harder and harder mm -hmm. and harder. And, you know, the people who don't realize that the get quick, you know, rich, quick people who try to get in, in and out of Amazon to make a, a, a quick buck, you're going to fail. Um, that's the, the dynamic today. So, uh, on that same note, kind of what do you think are, you know, some of the things that, you know, some of the big mistakes that some of the sellers are making when they get into Amazon early on? Yeah, I think some of it is, and this could be a controversial statement, uh, but I think sometimes people get too much into the idea of uh, wanting to uh, have that hero product. It's like, and I think the the product that's going to sell 100 units a day is very sexy and it sells courses if you're doing YouTube videos uh, and running ads. But, you know, there's so many other opportunities and so many different ways you could go about things. So I think learn what works from folks, but then also if everyone's zigging, do a little bit of zag. Yeah, I like that. So, um, you know, when you're talking about first getting on Amazon, you know, in the in the past, it was a lot easier, you could get a product up as long as it you know, a decent pictures, decent copy, things like that, you could you could probably do okay, you mm -hmm. can, you know, spin up an auto PVC campaign and, and get some, you know, some things going. Um, you know, anything that you're doing differently today, um, in terms of marketing promotion, SEO, anything like that, that you're doing differently today than you were, say, a couple of years ago? Yeah, good question. I think I'm being a lot more intentional, especially with PPC, about like what I'm targeting, what the bids are. Like I remember, you know, back in the day, just going to campaign manager, like all I would do is pull the search term report and I look at it and I was probably just fumbling through it, you know, <laughs> barely really just looking at the data. Whereas like now I, I think you have to be a lot more sophisticated with how you, you know, uh, look at the data. Sometimes you have to come up with some of your own formulas for how to manipulate the data and come up with bids. You can't just say, oh, well, Amazon said I should spend between $1.25 and $3.24. So I'll just split the difference. You know, you, you, you gotta, you gotta be a little bit more strategic and, uh, you know, realize that at the end of the day, the only one that's really looking out for your business is yourself. I mean, yeah, there's people like us that care about you listening and want to see you succeed. But at the end of the day, no one's going to understand your business and what works for you like you do. So I think that yeah. answered your question. No, that's great. Yeah. Amazon PVC is, is like the, is like dealing with the water company, right? It's like, if you go outside your backyard, turn your, you know, your, your kids turn your hose on and playing it and then don't turn it off and it runs overnight. They're like, ha ha, got you. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon's not there to uh, save you money on PVC. So I think Kevin's got a great point there where you, you, you definitely have to, to come up with, you know, one of the biggest mistakes I see uh, even to this day is uh, people bidding too high and budgeting out, you know, like whenever mm. I see that, I just like, 
smack my forehead. I'm like, no, no, do it the other way. <laughs> Lower the bids and raise, <laughs> raise your budget. And then when that, when that tops out, then you start raising bids. Um, right. It, it, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of a funny dynamic there, but uh, hopefully that one little tip for somebody who didn't know that yet will, will help today. Um, but let's get into the international stuff, which let's is, it. It, yeah, which is sort of your bread and butter. So did you start selling in the U S and then expand internationally, or did you start internationally and, and kind of expand from there? And what yeah, was great that question. Really like, yeah, I started in the U S and it's one of those things that, you know, especially when you first start out, you have more time than you necessarily have money. So I was listening to all these different podcasts, you know, Shopify related podcasts, you know, people saying, you know, do this on eBay. And I was trying all these different, you know, uh, my own web store and, you know, getting some sales, but not really all that much. And I was finding, at least for me, Amazon was where I was doing the best. You know, I remember trying to get accepted into Sears, um, which we were, you know, just joking about a Sears commercial before we hit the record button. Uh, you know, Sears at one time actually, People were actually talking about Sears as a serious marketplace in 2015 when I first started getting into this game. That's no longer the case. And so, you know, trying all these different things, or I remember spending, because I still had a full-time job, a, about a two to three week, maybe even longer than that, span of the amount of time I had in my, you know, free time to focus on the e-commerce business on Jet.com. And I focused all this time trying to figure out Jet. And... I've maybe made $400 in sales on Jet before they shut it down. Like not my listings, but just jet.com is no longer there. And so, you know, trying to figure all these other marketplaces, but it was like, at least for me, I had Amazon somewhat figured out. So I was starting to find, okay, if I've got Amazon figured out, what do I need to do to grow Amazon? And, you know, yeah, I can maybe find, you know, some additional long tail keywords and things like that. But I started realizing for the amount of work on the front end, because as we you know, talked about before, like it's not total passive income. So everything is an investment of some level of time. And so relative to the amount of time I put in, I was finding, you know, I could list my products in Canada, get 10, 15% at the time. Uh, you know, in Europe, I could get maybe another 10, 15, 20% of my sales by listing them there. So, you know, how do I do that? And just the hard part was the hoops I had to jump through in the front end. Once I got the hoops jumped through, then from there, you know, it's basically I'm just the snowball is growing. And then now the money I'm making from international marketplaces could fund new products and other things. So, you know, it, it definitely was something I started in the U.S. and branched out because I was finding I was having a lot more success with the time invested trying to figure out international marketplaces than trying to figure out Sears or Jet or eBay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, it, there is a lot of different channels. And I think that's the first thing is a, a lot of sellers, they don't expand internationally because of those hoops, right? Because they feel like, okay, I, Europe, I got to set up that. Uh, PPC costs in Europe are really crazy. And managing your PPC now, not only in the US, but in Canada, in every country in Europe, everywhere else, you know? So, I mean, it's, Seems like, you know, your recommended title for the show was uh, The Simple Path. So what do you think about simplifying that process? Um, so, you know, sellers kind of know which marketplaces they should expand into and kind of getting over some of those hurdles of now having to manage PPC everywhere. And now, you know, what, what do you recommend there? Yeah, I think a lot of it is... Um 
going back to the old Jim Rohn quote, don't wish it were easier, wish you were better. So don't wish the situation was going to be simple because nothing is totally simple. Now, I'll still say this. Yes, you'll have to manage PPC in other marketplaces if you're in another marketplace, but compared to like, let's say, uh, figuring out Canadian PPC for sponsored product ads versus figuring out Facebook, you know, it's two completely different skill sets. Whereas the US sponsored products and Canadian sponsored products, the money symbol is not even different. It's just a different currency. And so it's just a different dynamic because there's different customers looking at it. And so, yes, it is the simple path. Now, I think going back to the, you know, wish you were better, uh, start out with something that's a little simpler. And so Europe is the one that everyone likes to kind of go to first because they hear that there's all these people in Europe and there's all this opportunity. But to your point, there's that. Uh, they st I still will say the dust has not completely settled on Brexit yet. So there's a lot of variables, which I wouldn't say should scare people away from there, but I wouldn't start there. And so I think relative to the time invested, Canada is like the one that everyone forgets about. People sometimes think about like, well, I'll go to Australia first. Australia might be 20% of the sales of Canada for a lot of people. So Canada might be 10, 20% of U.S. sales for a similar type of um, catalog. And so what ends up happening is Amazon will say to sellers, hey, you can go to Canada and sell in the North American Remote Fulfillment Program. We'll take all of your products and you can just list them up there. Now, some of the products don't get a accepted into the program. And as we also learned, there is no free lunch in this world. And so uh, if it's shipping to another country, especially in individual packages, then the customer is going to have to pay additional shipping, additional duties. And instead of taking you know, a couple days to get to them because they're prime members that live in the Toronto area, they're having to wait a week or two for it to you know, clear customs and get across a border from the US. And so what ends up happening is sellers will oftentimes find, you know, instead of maybe one or 2%, they might get a NARF if, you know, for some people, it's not even that high, they might get 10, 20% for having local FBA inventory. Now, the hard part is, you know, you have to jump through those hoops. And so the easiest way to put this is, you know, there's a couple forms you have to fill out with Canadian Revenue Agency to get a business number. Uh, a GST, HST number, which is basically their sales tax number, as well as the uh, import number. And so once you've got all that, then now you can send your stuff in, you add your listings into that marketplace. And you know the whole thing with PPC, the nice thing is you've done all this work to figure out what keywords work in the US. In Canada, they use almost the same words we use here because even though Canada is the second largest country by landmass, um, most of the population lives about 100 miles from the US border. I've never seen a, an official statistic, but I've seen relatively uh, uh, accurate places saying between 75 and 90% of the Canadian population lives about 100 miles from the US border. So they're the way they describe things, their culture is very similar to the U.S. Yeah, I would, so I would agree. We've written a lot of Canadian listings and, um, and compared to the listings like that we've written in the UK oh, or yeah. <laughs> listings in Australia, like it's very, very similar. Um, and you know, yeah. So, and a little easier than Mexico. Right? Yes, <laughs> I mean, we're yes. starting out there. So, you know, I think the, the hurdle also that people run into is, when like for me, I tried, my stuff is already made in the USA, some of it. 
And so I tried to move it up to Canada and the, it was so expensive to go from US to Canada that and I ended up having to raise my price. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the Canadians that can just shop on amazon.com are like, well, I'll just buy it on amazon.com and wait longer. And so it ended up actually backfiring on me because, you know, it was, it was more expensive. I had to make it more expensive in Canada and then they had the ability to buy in North America. And so for me, it, for my products made in the U S it didn't make sense. Now my products made in China, I could import directly to China or to Canada from my supplier in China. And that would probably reduce some of those costs. Although right now with uh, shipping being insane, I'm sure that that's another consideration, but, um, but yeah, I, I agree that it seems to be the easiest first place to start. Um, but do you recommend as far as importing goes, do you recommend that um, people go straight from their supplier to Canada? Like what's the easiest way to avoid the massive duties that you have to pay to get into Canada? Yeah, great question. So with that, I would say if you can, you're better off shipping straight into Canada. I personally ship to the US and I just say, okay, now that it's here, let's decide how much I wanna to go to the US fulfillment centers, how much do I want to go to Canadian fulfillment centers? And uh, the interesting thing is the biggest, like, basically, if you do a, uh, a shipment into Canada, you're going to get two invoices, at least from UPS. I'll just use UPS as an example. One is an import invoice and one is an export invoice. Your export invoice is the shipping to export it out of the US, for example. And then the import invoice is the uh, what you're paying at the border. Now, the biggest expense there is the GST that they're gonna charge you. So they charge you a 5% GST. Now, GST, if you're registered for GST, actually is a credit when you go to file. Now, I'm not here to provide tax advice, but generally for most folks is if you put your GST, HST number into tax settings in Seller Central in Canada, uh, they're gonna charge the customer. And so if the customer, let's say, lives in a province where it's a 10% GST, HST, Amazon's gonna charge that on top of the selling price, just like we do here in the US. And then they're gonna give you that as part of your disbursement. And then once a year, you're gonna to have to go file. And then you're gonna take that and subtract out some of your GST that you've already paid as credit. So that means basically your customer is going to be paying you back for the GST that you paid at the border. And so that makes it pretty nice. And the nice thing about Canada is you only have to file once a year and it's actually super simple once you kind of know like where you go, what numbers you put in the boxes. And, you know, I find it to be pretty simple. Now, sometimes with shipping, shipping is a lot of variables. So maybe in your case, the, the product was just it was large. It's a large product. So it was right. just really expensive to ship a pallet. Now, some of my other products are smaller. And so maybe I can take them out of the warehouse here and, and do that. And that one tip that you just gave, though, right there is going to take a lot, knowing that that cost is going to be paid for later is mm -hmm. awesome. I think that one tip is going to remove a lot of the barriers to entry for folks going into Canada, myself included. I'm going to go revisit. So okay, good. Speaking of which, what are your favorite countries to sell in and why? Good. I would say it's Canada and the UK. 
probably because my sales are the highest there. Now, my sales are higher in the UK and traditionally always have been relative to Canada. But Canada, my profit margins tend to be better than they are in the UK. So sometimes I end up with the same amount of money all said and done. Now, the nice thing is, as we were recording this, um, it is advantageous bringing money back from those countries into the US. And so going back to some of the costs, if you're paying for something in US dollars uh, for your product, you're almost buying it at somewhat of a discount. And then when you ship it into, let's say, Canada, um, and you, if you're charging, let's say, let's say you came up with, I'm going to hypothetically use 1.4 as my rule of thumb, which oftentimes people do. It's usually between 1.35 and 1.4 uh, as their you know, rule of thumb and kind of massage the pricing. People will pay a little bit extra in Canada. You might actually, because of the way it's working, it, a Canadian dollar is going to be even closer to a U.S. dollar, which coming from that direction is actually a good thing. Um, so what that means is you're bringing home more U.S. dollars than you would have been even a year ago for the same amount of Canadian dollars. And in the U.K., it's very similar, too. Now, this could all change tomorrow, um, but my theory, without getting too deep in the weeds on this, is with as much printing of money as we've done in the U.S., that having additional uh, sources of other currencies is beneficial for spreading out some of your risks. And so I like Canada and UK because they're relatively simple. Now, UK is a little bit more complex to set up, uh, but you're bringing in right now, one of the things I like about it is that both of their currencies are relatively strong to the US dollar. Thanks for tuning in to part one of this episode. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.